This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Okay. All right. Good morning. Taking you way back in time, huh? Some of you that are the 70 children, you realize where that comes from, but we're just trying to make a point today, just where we're headed just on the courtrooms again today, I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Just quickly get your hand up, and then we'll go to Luke 12, and then after Luke 12, we'll go to Genesis 4. I want to give you a little bit more ammunition to go to the courtrooms of heaven, and so I believe this will come alive to you. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Now, oftentimes that verse is, is quoted backwards. We usually say, Where your heart is at, that's where your treasure will be. But that's not what he said. He said, where your treasure is at, that's where your heart will be. So you begin to pursue whatever your heart goes after. And oftentimes right here, money is what answers my question. Where's your money at? Where's it headed toward? The message says it this way. The place your treasure is, is the place you'll most want to be. So we're going to deal with that. Begin with me in Luke chapter 12. Let's start in verse 16. This is a parable about Jesus talking. It says, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. So it tells me this guy, he had an abundance of riches. But he said, verse 17, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. So to a degree, he's saying, I'm going to store up my security, and I'm going to buy peace. And a lot of times in our lives, that's the way we look at uh, possessions or money. We think, that's all our security. That's what I need. I just need more money. Now, again, money doesn't have a conscience. Money isn't evil. The root of money is evil, okay? So he goes on to say, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns, build greater, and there I'll store up my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. That's interesting. That God would say about this man who had an abundance of material stuff, you fool. And so when he's talking about this right here, he's saying the reason you're a fool is because you have wisdom for a brief moment, but throughout eternity you would be viewed as a fool. Your security is not mankind. And often we look to money and possessions to do for us what only God can do. He goes on to say, this night your soul will be required of you. And so what he's literally talking about, you're going to die. The day will come when we're going to die here on this earth. And so to a sense, he's saying, let's learn to to live life through the lens of eternity. Not just for this moment. And so he says, once you die, and he ends this verse and he says, who will those things which be you have provided? Who gets them? Everything you had. And then he ends in verse 21 and he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And again, 
This man, he, he misses the true objective of life. And it's not about myself. It's about how well I serve God. It's about how well I look to God with those things. Now, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, and we're going to look at two main passages this morning that are going to begin to give us a little insight. But as you're turning there, money talks. And your money, your finances have a voice in heaven. And so that's what we're going to show you biblically today, how that looks and how we can live in this way. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have required a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So one would be termed as a rancher, the other a farmer. But both of them knew what it was like to get up and go to work. Both of them had a job. Verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And their Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, both of them had a job, but when you look at verses 3 and 4, both of them knew Father God's heart that they were to bring. They were to bring their offering to him. And when you look about the guy named Abel right here in verse 4, it says he brought of, of the fat. The fat there means he brought his best. He brought the choice. And that was the first thing that he did. Verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was angry, and his countenance fell. So now we have to look and ask the question, so why did God receive Abel's offering? And not Cain's. The implication with Cain right here is that he didn't bring his best. He didn't bring his first. And some of the highlights of that was verse 3 where it says, in the process of time. So it literally is telling me and you, when Cain got around to it. When Cain had done everything he wanted with his first fruits. Then he said, you know what, I'll, I'll give God my leftovers. But when we look at Abel, why then did God receive Abel's? Because Abel acknowledged God by his actions. And his action was that, I'm going to give God my first. I'm going to give my God my best. So all this is found in Exodus 13. You can study it out. It's the principle of the firstborn. It's the principle of the first fruit. A great reference is, is Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. And then God will begin to shower you with blessings. So what you begin to see here is Abel gave God not only his best, but it was the first thing he did. The blessing is tied to that first one. And so it's important that we see this. It's important that you see this today. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? In other words, the Lord's turning it back to Cain and he said, Listen, right your wrong. 
You've missed it in this area, but I'm giving you the opportunity to change it. And if you do not do well, if you do not choose to do what's right, sin lies at the door. It's if he's telling us that sin is knocking at the door. And he's saying right here, if you choose to obey, this is what will happen. But if you choose not to obey, then sin is at your door. And what is sin doing? It lies at the door and its desire is for you or toward you. But you should rule over it. You should master it. And so he gives us two choices here, and it's the same for me and you. That even though Cain had stolen the first that was God's, God said to him, repent and start doing what's right. Start changing in in what you do with your finances, because if you don't, sin is knocking at your door. It's, It's trying to come after you. Now, what happens when you read passages of Scripture right here? You have two types of people. You have ones that say, I can't wait to honor God. I, I got to bring my first fruits to God. They understand the significance of this principle. It's the last thing I'm going to do here. I'm going to get here with my first fruits and I'm going to bring them to the Lord. The other part of that is the person who says, We don't have enough money to do that. So now every sacrifice is based on preference. This would bear witness with many of you. That when you begin to honor the Lord with the first fruits of your giving. How many of you have ever thought or said. We don't have enough money to do this. That was me 30 years ago. I said I don't have enough But for years of my life, we tried to do everything out of our own abilities and our own choices and our own wisdom, and it got us nowhere. So because of reading the Scripture, what God's Word said, I knew in this situation I had a choice, and so it was a step of faith. Maybe the greatest step of faith to step out with what you've earned on your paycheck and say, the first thing I do with this I'm going to honor God. Now, when I begin to do this, my little mind got a Charlie horse in it. My little mind cramped up and it was like saying, what are you doing? You can't do that. You have more month than money. But 30 years later, I can stand before you and say, I've honored God. And I've seen the blessing of God on my life. And I've seen it in people in this church for years and years and years that operate in this principle. So here's the deal. And I'm not speaking condemnation on you, but here's the truth. You're going to either be an Abel or you're going to be a Cain in your life. Well, I don't want to be a Cain. Well, right, you're wrong. Keep reading. Whoa, Pastor, you are preaching good today. Thank you. Verse 8, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his Abel, his brother. And he killed him. Can you think of this? Just, Just imagine this. Because of his choices, he gets mad at God. How many have been mad at God? Every one of us. But when we look at the things of God and we get mad at him, 
Most of it is a result of my choices. And so this was the first murder of the history of here on earth. And it begins to show us how sin begins to progress. And this is what happened. So he kills his brother. Verse number 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel your brother? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, God knew where Abel was. God knew what happened to Abel. So why did he ask Cain the question, where's your brother at? Because he's just like me and you. He loves us enough and his mercy is so great that he gives me and you an opportunity that when we've committed a wrong, to repent of it. And say, Father God, I blew it. But in this situation right here, Cain becomes prideful. He becomes arrogant and says, I don't know where he's at. Verse 10. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, when we look at this right here, this tells me that blood has a voice. Blood has a testimony. Blood has a witness. And in this sense, Abel's blood is crying out for justification. And God's the great judge. And only God can render judgment. But when he does that, it's based off of evidence and testimony. Now, here's the blessing for me and you. The blood of Jesus has a voice. And the blood of Jesus forgives us. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us. And you say, okay, I see that the blood has a voice. But what does that have to do with money? All right, jump with me back into the New Testament to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, as you're turning to Hebrews 11, this passage in the Bible here, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. And all these men and women that are in this book that starts in verse 4, it will start like this and it will say, by faith, This guy did this by faith. And so all these men and women of the Old Testament that are in the faith hall of fame, they had to live by faith. They had to step out by faith, just like me and you. Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, prompted by faith, Abel offered, he brought to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, pay close attention to the wording here. A more excellent sacrifice. To honor God with his best like he did. It was an incredible sacrifice. Keep reading. Through which he, abled obtained a witness. Because of what Abel gave. It gave him a witness. It gave him a testimony. The New Living says Abel's offering gave evidence or it testified. It testified of what? Look at the next part of this verse. That he was righteous. Because of his action and because he stepped out by faith, God said, that's a righteous man. Now look how verse 4 ends. God testifying, God showed approval, God acknowledged, God gave acceptance of his gifts. Of whose gifts? 
of Abel's gifts. And look real close there at the word gifts. It is plural. It means to me that this was a lifestyle of Abel. That every time he had the fruit of the increase, that he would say, I'm going to offer it up to God. And so it said that he, he, that God gave testimony or testifying of his gifts. And through it, his gifts, he Abel being dead still speaks. So you know what this is saying? Abel's died physically. But the testimony or the witness of his giving, it still speaks. It still gives testimony even in heaven. And so it shows me right there that when we become givers, that our giving, our money talks in heaven. And you say, give me a little more proof. Okay. Go to the book of Acts chapter number 10. And as you're turning there, listen to this. Go to Acts 10. It literally means here what we just read, that Abel's act of worship, it still testifies. His giving was an act of worship. And it talks about here that his faith was presenting the sacrifice that was required of God. So as you give and and you step out and begin to honor God with the first fruits of all your increase... Man, he gives testimony. It's a form of worship to Father God. God takes note. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Okay, so what's going on here? This man named Cornelius was an officer in the Roman army. He was a Gentile. You know what that means? He wasn't a Jew, okay? And so you're either a Jew or... He wasn't Jewish, okay? So he did not live under the covenant at that time. Verse 2. A devout man. A thoroughly good man. Interesting words. When you think about a devout or a thoroughly good man... How does he get that name? How does a thoroughly good man obtain that name? Just because good looks, how smart he is? No, I think it becomes his character and his integrity. So the next few ver- or the next few sentences in this verse right here, they will describe a devout or a thoroughly good man. Keep reading. One who feared God. A devout man is a man who reverences God. He reverences the Word of God. He honors the Word of God. He fears God. Years ago, there was a man of God who had got over into sin. And because of his choices in sin, he he was sentenced to prison. And while he was in prison, a TV network came in to do a study on him. And the guy who was heading up the interview said to him, he said, When did you quit loving Jesus? And the man's response was this. I never quit loving Jesus. I just stopped fearing him. I just stopped reverencing him. I just stopped honoring him. Now look at this verse because it's really interesting when it says he was a thoroughly good man. He feared God with all his household. You know what this says right here? 
that this man not only lived for God and he feared God, but he taught his children the importance and the the significance of fearing God. You know, it's been said many times, as as the father goes, so goes the household. And all for the last two or three weeks, we'd studied the power of generational sin. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 5, Deuteronomy 5, verse 9 says, The iniquities of the fathers, the sins of the fathers, will be passed down to the children, to the third and the fourth generation. So biblically, we see that when a father gets in sin, that's what he hands down to his children. But let's reverse that here for a second. What about when a father fears God? I believe that generational blessing of a man who fears God and he honors God and he lives for God, that is transferred to his children also. Ooh, I tell you, that's a good one right there. I want to transfer the fear of God to my children. I want them to know we're going to not only reverence God, but we're going to reverence the Word of God. We're going to honor Him. So let's look here now what it would look like to not only be a devout man, but what it means to fear God. So he goes on to say he feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously. He gave money. He he gave provision generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. So think about this man named Cornelius. A thoroughly good man. Why? He feared God. He gave. And he prayed. I believe those are recipes for every one of us in this room. Who would experience the goodness of God? Man, Lord, I, I want to fear. I want the fear of God in my heart. I want to fear God more than I fear man. I want to be a man of, of giving, to give and give and give and give, but also a man of prayer. I keep reading verse 3. Now about the night there, three in the afternoon of the day, Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now I, I do believe this with all my heart. God still has angelic visitation. I believe that. And so now we may sit here today and we may say, well, I've never been visited by an angel. Do you fear God? Do you give? Do you pray? Just the thought even in my own life to think, I sure would like a lot more angelic visitation in my life. Well, could this be the recipe for that? Verse 4. And when he observed him, he was afraid. When Cornelius realized this is an angel, he was afraid. He wasn't in afraid of uh, of fear of, oh no, he's going to get me. He was in fear of, oh, this is an angel. And so he, he, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he understood it was the Lord. So the angel said to him, your prayers and your giving, your alms have come up for a memorial before God. They have ascended before God. Your sacrifices in your time of prayer and your sacrifices in your giving has got all of heaven's attention. 
Now, as I looked at that, I mean, I begin to think. So, Lord, are you showing us here? That when we pray, James 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Something happens when I begin to pray. But here he throws it in an added bonus. And he said, because of your giving, your prayers have ascended. They have come before God as a memorial. And a memorial means to put me in memory. Put me in memory of a sacrifice or a cost. And so right here, when you look at this, Cornelius' activities, his sacrifices right here on earth got heaven's attention. Let me paraphrase here just for a little bit. As this angel is speaking to Cornelius in Caesarea, another angel goes to a city of Joppa where the apostle Peter is. And this angel tells him, listen, there's going to be some men come, and I want you to go with them. I want you to follow them. So we pick up chapter 10, verse 24. And so the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and his close friends. Mark that in your Bible, okay? His relatives and his close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and he worshipped him. He was just honoring him. But Peter lifted up saying, stand up, I myself am just a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Mark that. Mark that in your Bible. He had found many. Verse 28. Then Peter said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or go to one of another nation. So for a Jew to come into the house of a Gentile, it was a no-no. You did not do that. But look what Peter says here. Now this is the first time this takes place. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Verse 29, therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for, and I asked then, for what reason or purpose have you sent for me? So Peter's asking Cornelius, he said, why'd you send for me? Why'd you ask me to come? Now watch right here because Cornelius tells the story here in verse 30. So he said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Don't ever quit praying, okay? Man, just keep praying. Ask the Lord to put a fervor in you to pray. Burn in me, Lord, again to pray. I want to pray. You know, the Bible says clearly in Ephesians 6, 18, he said, pray in your understanding and pray with with the Spirit. Cease without praying. Continue to pray. So he says, your prayer was heard. The last part of verse 31. And your alms and your giving are remembered in the sight of God. Do you know what this tells me here? Again, God noticed. And he says specifically, The reason I came is because you prayed and because you gave. 
So if God took notice of what Abel gave and what Cornelius gave, what about me and you? Now let me give you the the, the rest of the story. I'm going to paraphrase the rest of this for time's sake here. Remember all his friends and his relatives? Remember the many? Every one of them hears the gospel preached. And they all got born again and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. So now I rewind back and I think, how did this have the potential to happen? Because one man chose to pray and one man chose to give. So again, his money had a memorial. His money spoke in heaven. So here's what I've been doing. Not only do I come into the courtrooms of heaven through the blood of Jesus, which again, that's what I do. That's uh, Hebrews 10, 19. We have the ability, the power to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. But another reason I'm coming in now on behalf of family, friends, and relatives I stand on the word of God and I've said, Father God, we've honored you for 30 plus years of our life. I've honored you in my giving. And I thank you, Lord, that my giving is coming as a remembrance before you. And I ask you today to begin to move in my family, move in my relatives, and move in my friends. And so again, this all occurs because of my giving. Won't it be great on the day when you get to heaven and someone looks at you and say, thank God you prayed. And Aunt Susie, who lived like the devil most of her life, receives Jesus and she said, thank God you gave. I'm here because your giving came up as a memorial before God. So here's what I sense God saying. I'm either going to live like Abel or I'm going to live like Cain. And again, that has the choice with you. But there are consequences. And every sacrifice is based on preference. And so there were years in our life that I would look and I'd think, Ooh, this is a stretch of faith, Father God, for me to stand out. But you know what? I would rather give the first fruits of my increase to you than go out and eat. I would rather give you the first fruits of my increase than have to change my lifestyle. So there were years in the making, but I will tell you this, I don't regret it one bit. I thank God that not only did the Bible teach us to live this way, but years ago I had an older man, older, 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 and I remember one day he popped me in the chest right there and he said, whatever you do, You get your tithes and you bring them to the house of God. I don't care how you live. You get that and you bring it in because there's a blessing attached to it. And you say, well, all you preachers just trying to get in my pockets. I'm not trying to get in your pocket. Just trying to teach you the word of God. And so again, I can live my life this way or I can live my wife this way. But many times in our life, we get mad at God. Just like, just like Cain did, when in reality, it's a self-infliction upon myself because of my choices. So again, here today, I present you the Word of God. You're either going to live by it, and you're going to honor it, or you don't have to. But if you don't want to do it, don't whine, don't complain, don't get mad at God. 
There's a few amens. I knew it was getting pretty quiet in here. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.